Do we have our three dice? Terry doesn't have one. I don't have one. Do you need one? I'll just... No, 19. No, Terry. <laughs> Bad Terry. Here, hold up. Are these all D20s? Those are D20s? Do you want one. greeny? Ooh, greeny. No. I don't trust anything green. I had this one last time. You rolled well for you last time. You went last every you single just time. just pulled another green one. And you're like, ooh. Yeah, but I don't trust anything green. Yeah, that's the like most the vibrant thing. green dice I own. There's a gray one there. In your hand. I'm trying to get to green things. Do you have anything that's not green? Oh, Kogu. I have lots of things that are not green. You shall not speak our name. <laughs> There's do. the orange one. Let's and take hey, a 19. And 11. 11. There you How go. many 11s was I rolling last week? Well, that is the average. I'm good. Okay, cool. I'm glad you guys blew your 19 or 20. I'm not going to roll mine. Anyways, so... <laughs> That is exactly how probability works. <laughs> Isn't it funny how, like, you know how probability works, but yet you still go by your witchcraft as well. It's like, oh, oh my absolutely. God, I just oh. rolled a 20. I'm, there's no chance of me rolling another one now. That one session, I rolled uh, 13, 13 natural There were, there were 13, 13 natural, natural ones. ones. Mm-hmm. I was, like, trying different ways to roll it off my hand. Like, I was running it down my fingers. I'm like, no, so I got, like, this weird backhand thing where it, like, bounced off my wrist and onto the table. Like, I was trying everything well, to get and, to roll. And the episode where I killed Duke I, I you guys saw I rolled like 15 nat 20s and I was rolling as advantage for the majority of yeah, that yeah but still that was insane the amount of crits that I was just handing and, out well especially in like the juxtaposition of the party not rolling any criticals that entire session no you guys rolled criticals but you were you were rolling 20s on the perception, perception checks. checks and I initiative all of mine perception stuff, checks. right? Yeah. As, Bullshit. As much as you want a 20 on your initiative, no. you also don't want to waste your only 20 of the session on initiative. Man, I miss critical hits. I miss playing a fighter for that. Well, yeah, because uh, Titus a was a champion, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I was telling Terry about 3.5 when you could like, um, you could keen your weapon and there were like prestige classes that doubled the range. You could, you could at one point, to 20. no, no, there, 13 to 20. I think oh, I, you there was an, there was an 11 to 20, but you had to go epic classes to get there. Oh really? Yeah. So for 3.5, that was insane. That 50%, you either miss or you crit. I got a good buddy who, uh, hates dice and, but loves Dungeons and Dragons. Cannot stand rolling dice. He hates the probability, the, the lack of uh, assurity to it i'm not that's not a what word, but is everything in his in, in er, is everything in his apartment like at perfect 90 degree hates, angles yeah pretty much yeah he's, he's a little ocd and i know he's gonna a listen little to this, ocd but he's a you little ocd when it comes because to that. you don't know what the outcome's gonna be he, he he didn't trust his own mind to do the math so he made a spreadsheet for literally all of our character sheets that did all of the math he then set up a database that had Collected all of the feats and everything. This was for Pathfinder. Collected all of the feats, all of the traits, all There's of the like alternate There's like 900 feats in it's Pathfinder. This person ridiculous. should meet me because I feel like I would be like the scarecrow to him. Like, <laughs> like just going through life based off of how I feel. He'd be like, <laughs> But But he, he, he was determined. He was determined to roll an elf fighter with an elven curve blade that was keen and all these other things. Because he, he wanted to crit every single time. He never wanted to have to actually, like, <clears throat> do math because, you know, you're crit. Okay, yeah, you hit, right? I don't know, man. That uh, You guys call me an over-prepper? That's insane, that's, even by my standards. Oh, that's yeah. That's too much. Yeah. Well. That's too much. That's The uh, funny thing is him DMing, he doesn't prep, like, a quarter what you do. He preps 20 times what I do, but, like, he doesn't do what you do with it. 
Yeah, math. Doing the math. Math, math is a thing. Uh, but anyways, uh, I wanted to talk today, not about any of this. Okay. But uh, I wanted to finish our little triad series on uh, exploration with ability checks. Like and... like, a, like a Japanese triad? Like is that... Triad? Uh, well, no. Tri- Chinese? Triad is Chinese. Is Yakuza it? is Japanese. Oh, that's what it is. You. Tell you what, we're we're good at these openings. Yeah, these we're podcasts. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how quickly it turns But out. I want to do that as well as uh, basic discovery and how you guys can handle large-scale maps and things like that. So uh, it's a mimic. Let's play the theme song. Welcome to It's a Mimic with your DMs, Adam, Dan, and Terry. All right, so we're back. You guys are looking weird again. With this, the... just my face, Dan. <laughs> again, God, because I have a new, sh- I have a different shirt on to last time I saw you, <laughs> but my hair is the same. Um, but glorious, it's glorious. Thank you, you guys, uh, the internet. What the internet doesn't know is that we record in my basement um, with blankets and stuff up. I'm ruining the magic. A it's little a bit. studio, Dad. <laughs> Thousands of dollars for a professional studio every single time. Yeah, no, there's a we're recording this live right now me. from red carpet on Hollywood. No, no, not quite. But uh, you guys have to drive here, and it's a hell of a hill, and you guys mm-hmm. have to work with maps. To be able to figure out your way up this hill, especially in the winter when my roads are icy. Right. So, uh, I want to start off with maps. I want to finish this last little important part of exploration and talk about how you guys handle overworld maps in the game. Sure. Shall we roll for it and we'll start talking? Sure. You ready to go? Adam's ready. 17. 19. 16. I got 16. And I still lost. Yeah. I have discovered now, by the way, because I'm always the one that talks on like every episode, like three times more than you guys do. I've discovered that when I'm DMing, I always roll first in initiative. And now you're doing it. This is the curse of the podcast. Oh, no. You're, spot, so, you're spotting patterns already. Yeah. 16 and a loser. Yeah. Name of my sex tape. Go on. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, We may need to edit that out because I just remembered there's different laws in Canada. So yeah, in the UK, yeah. Yeah. In the UK, that might in the be UK, fine. In the UK, that's totally allowed. Oh, okay. man. Okay. Let's uh, say that back. Let's say that back. <laughs> I might leave that in. That's I might a, leave no, that please in. Don't. British. That's American. Please don't. Oh my god. Let's do this. <laughs> All right, Dan. All right. So overworld maps. I'm gonna need a moment. Um, if you did edit that out, you nobody knows why we're laughing right now. <laughs> you may need a moment, but Terry needs about 25 to like. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you said, and I quote, because it's on the internet. <laughs> okay. In my defense. When I said that, I thought I was in another country. <laughs> Not every country Wh- is Britain. Which is why you need maps. Now we're back on topic. Hey, we're back on topic. Yeah, thank go. you. Thank you. Yeah. So um, overland maps are a fantastic way to uh, really pull your players into engaging them. As a player, it's a really good way to know where you are and the culture in which you're in. Um, a well-designed map will be able to tell you, uh, you know, what your area, of course, looks like, but the surrounding influences on the specific town or whatnot you're in. Um, I'm a lazy DM. This has been no. said multiple times. You, no. You've never mentioned it? No. Nah, well, yeah, I am now. Okay. Um, so I I hate drawing maps. I hate from the battle map all the way up. Like I run with a vinyl map that I pull out a Crayola marker and draw my maps as I play typically. 
I don't um, think we would like playing Dungeons and Dragons together, but we do. But we do. It's just it's it, everything in me tells me that we we shouldn't, but we do. Well, uh, one of these days I'll actually DM for you because okay. that's the one thing that has like you haven't DM for me and I haven't DM for you. Okay. Adam has run our lives basically for the past year. Exactly. And yet so, you still screw it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's puppet master shit going on. We'll but let anyways, you get to your point. Yeah. So um, what I typically do is I'll go on to Google. And I'll type, ah, I want this area of a map. Like, I want, you like know, desert world or... map in desert, right? And I'll be able to pull it out. Uh, I can even just pull out the map for the world I know my players are playing in. Because most of these already have pre-generated maps. Because I don't build my own homebrew world, per se. I use pr- provided uh, uh, sources. So... I'll either pull from Galarian or Oerth or uh, the like Forgotten Realms. Copy or, and paste. Oh, not, yeah, literally copy. In like, your world, Pull yeah. it out and be like, you guys are here. Blatantly here's the map. stealing, yeah. Yeah, blatantly stealing. Like, here's Ed Greenwood's, mm-hmm. like, signature. Like, this is what I'm doing. Um, so, right now, in the one campaign I'm DMing uh, bi-weekly now, yep. uh, is, is set in uh, the Forgotten Realms just east of uh, Waterdeep, near the High Forest and all that other stuff. I pulled from that and then um, gave that map to my players as an overworld map and kind of said, along this river where this mountain's here and this forest is here, right at this like fork junction, you guys are here. And it's going to be eh, roughly two weeks to get to here. Because they those maps come with a nifty little provided scale that you could use, and then when it came time to the town map, I went online, found I I literally looked up small village on the water. <laughs> Did like, you find my hometown in the UK? <laughs> <laughs> but I I pulled up a town map and then looked through it all and and find one that's good, and it was named like Solarius or something like that. Like there's a name for it. Mm-hmm. I just cropped that out and gave it to my players. And there were little numbers on it. Like there are, if you open up any module, there's little numbers of what like a each... key. A yeah, key? a key. A legend. I, and then I was like, well, I can't edit those out because I don't know how to Photoshop. So I'll just make up what those locations are in my own city. So like this one thing that was a... Um, in, in the actual version was like a massive town hall. Ended up being the orphanage that was run by this... Uh, high-level cleric matron who had dedicated her life to the protection of orphans and like the the um um special needs area of kids and stuff so that's that's what i do when i come to that and then i use their guides to manage inter like travel from point a to point b i use their little things to figure out how long it'll be Mm -hmm. Um, I do want to get to something along the lines of how you guys handle random encounters, but we've talked about that a lot yep. in previous episodes, but we do want to touch it. But Adam, you were next in the initiative. How do you handle this? Okay. Well, first of all, I hate your way of doing maps. Um, <laughs> and this is, I just come from a very different school of thought. I want no. the, I want the world map to be large on the wall for everyone to be able to see. Uh, you've got you literally have the map of Chult behind your head here, Dan. Yeah, um, we just wrapped up Tomb of Annihilation. I've yeah, just been too lazy to pull it off the wall. No, no, keep it up because when you're talking, I zone out and I look at it, and it's really pretty. The fact that uh, you tattooed it on the back of your head is astounding to me. But that's just can't. a birthmark. Oh, it's coincidence. That's not Chult. Yeah. <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs> so, but but anyway, um, I absolutely love having the world map 
which is why I always make a world map. Mm-hmm. And when I when I handed it out in the campaign that I ran, Terry, with your group last year, um, the first time that I handed out a world map, it was um, very small. And you actually ended up grabbing giant grid paper and blowing it up and putting it up on the wall. Uh, you know, that's that's what I need to do anytime I start a campaign. I have to have my world map up there with where the cities and what are the routes and whatnot. But I get really specific with it as well because there are dots that I put down um, beside each road. And each dot represents one day of travel. Yeah. If you travel through the night, you can cover two dots worth of travel. If you go off the road then uh, everything slows down, usually by times two based on my math. If it's a grid and you're following a road and there's one dot for between towns, but you want to go through the wilderness, it's two dots, right, per square. So um, I am very specific with it. I want to go big picture with my world map because I want, and I put stuff up there that you guys will probably never get to. There's stuff in the world map that you guys look at now that there are locations there that you will never, ever, ever get to. That I have a vague idea of, of what's there and because the, my world moves on. And anytime that I'm like, oh, this part of the map is blank. I'm going to throw a lake down here. What's happening at this lake? Oh, I'm going to put uh, I'm gonna put a giant octopus monster in here. If we ever get to it, I know there's a giant octopus monster in there. And there's probably a village on the lake. But I haven't thought that far through yet. When you get close, there'll be four or five little abandoned houses. One of them is smashed because a massive tentacle came down and it ate all the people. Right, there we go. So now that's on the map. That's not written anywhere, but I have a visual cue every time I look at it. I know what's there. Um, I often leave myself little clues within the names as well, although I try to obscure that for you guys. So uh, there's a lake on the map right now, which is called the Lonely Lake, and there's a reason for that. You guys will probably never get to the Lonely Lake. Um, And you should have no idea why it's called that, but there's something in the lore about why it is the Lonely Lake. Yeah, we're going now. Next had like, like by you, somebody, right? So You, I don't want to use the word disdain, but you have an almost... <laughs> but uh, I will. I'm, I'm disrespect. I will. You have a disrespect for pre-generated uh, campaign settings. Like, you'd rather just have full control of your own and make it your own and, and do it yourself. Like, would you ever take a area of the Forgotten Realms that has, like, nothing really detailed about it and go... That's where my campaign is set, and then you make up your own map for that. I'll, I'll tell you this right now. Um, I my favorite place in the uh, Forgotten Realms is uh, Neverwinter. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I just like it. But if I'm ever going to be in Neverwinter, I'm going to have it. It be roughly the same geographical location on the map compared to other things. But I'm going to redo my map specifically because, sure, you can take the river through the town to go rafting down to the next part sure great mm-hmm. what if it was underground river what about that what if there what if it's so big that there are icebergs in it what if this and like i'm just gonna keep dropping ideas in there the map isn't going to give me what i want when it comes from from a pre-generated source so i want to be very specific because if i create it then there's a reason and i understand my own mentality and so i don't have to memorize it i just have to go what would my logic have been oh yeah it's this mm-hmm and now I know, and I can, and it's it's populated the way that I want it to be populated. The um, the monsters, the encounters, the difficulties, anything in there is done with a logic behind it, and that's what I do with the maps. I sit down and I go, okay, what's my capital city, and then I work my way out from there, or I go, what's my one geographical 
feature. Yeah. And then I say, okay, well, what would naturally happen? So, I mean, you guys are doing a giant river campaign. Like, the, the rivers are monstrous. But there are all of these lakes and inland oceans. When I'm like, oh, well, that's where all of the things would be because the river's calmer there. So that's where the cities would be. And there's a fishing village over here. And then this is a... Is a so you kind of draw out a rough skeleton and then fill in the details. Yeah. And it's and I spread out from there the same way that the players should be spreading out. Where you drop yeah. them in one area and they say, what's around me? And I say, okay, well, there's, there's these details all the way around. And then if they, no matter what direction they head in, they will follow that same logic down um, down that path to the next detail and the next detail and the next detail. I have a bunch of questions like how do you handle things like teleportation, but that will have to be for another yeah, podcast. I'm kind of Terry, I'm listing by questions yeah, like in my you're, mind you're as well. saying you're like expanding out from there. Oh, sorry, Adam, you're saying you're expanding out from there and then there's, you know, little points. If we get teleportation magic and like we enter a portal and pop out at the other end of your map. Uh, but I, again... But, and I said this on the last podcast, you're assuming that Adam thinks like you. True. Adam does not think like that. And we'll have something ready for that situation. And additionally, you will notice that teleportations and portals don't work in my homebrew campaign. Yeah. There's a distinct reason for that because I did not know how I was going to handle that when I started a year and a half ago in this world. And then you I have just, my answer then, now. then you made up a justification for for that, and it makes sense with the world and everything else with the homebrew world that you did. Yeah, like yeah. It, I, I, justification is such a bad way to put it, but like, you're like here's a problem, here's a fix. Need to justify why I have that fix. Look, the, and now it's part. Now it's part of the intricate plot of this entire uh, campaign. Look, look I'll, I'll blow it wide open for you guys and for anybody else listening. Um, I believe that NPC uh, interactions, maps and travel, um, characters, um, villains, monsters in their locations, everything that exists comes down to the same basic concept. The root of the thing is never the thing itself. What I mean by that is... Pardon? Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I, but I, when I do all my creation Math this is way, like floating in front of no, my face. No, no, right no, 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 no hold on. No, I don't mean square root. Calm down. The root of the thing is never the thing itself. The thing itself is there are goblins here. The root of the thing is there are goblins here because. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that should never be because goblins. It should be because this is a, close enough to the road. Right. They can do raiding parties in. It's, it's just far enough away from town that they know that the sheriff can't get to them. Like Whatever it is, there's always a reason. The root of the thing. So when you're building a map... It can't just be, oh, and there's a tavern, and there's a blacksmith, and there's a stable. Because I sit there and I go, where's your water supply, guys? How do you deal? I put bathrooms in every building that I'm in because, of course, there's a bathroom. And if not, there's an outhouse outside, <laughs> right? And you guys see that. And you, you you open up the door. Yeah, I've, I've noticed down that. I've noticed square, that, yeah. yeah. I appreciate that, actually. Um, but but he's, he's put, like, uh, puzzles and stuff with the answers within the outhouses and stuff. And... and, and uh, we were in this one city where every single, uh, there were these little gates that would pop up along the road in this densely packed city. And you couldn't get through unless you we knew couldn't the get through unless you yeah. knew the combination. And the map for the combination was like on the underside of the toilet seat in the outhouse. Yeah, but there was a reason for that, and it's because the guy that designed the city was then out of work and sat there and was and all he did was drink and then he died and everybody knew that. And there's a plaque to him inside the pub that you guys couldn't get into, right? So he got drunk one day and was throwing up inside the outhouse, and he was afraid he was going to forget all the combinations before he wrote it down. So he scrawled it inside the the uh, outhouse underneath the toilet seat because that's where his head was. And I've got a reason for everything. Yeah. It's not a necessarily an interesting or fun reason, but it's... If that's you, an if, interesting and funny reason. But, no, no, but, but if you pull at that thread, 
there is an answer. Yeah. And I, and I work it into maps specifically because I want you guys to explore and find the answers. And they're not always the best answers. They're not always the greatest, most interesting thing. But there is an answer. Terry. How do yeah. you handle overland maps? Well, I'll tell you why you're both wrong straight off the bat. <laughs> and, but I, I, I made a point of ensuring that I listened to both of your points uh, so that I would be ready to uh, tell you why you're wrong. Okay. Uh, I'll do Adam first because it's, it's more fresh in my mind. So this is what I do is I have my general world map. And here's the thing that I want to give the new players permission to do. New players, are you ready? I want you to go on the internet and I want you to find something that you like the look of and I want you to steal that thing. Okay, because do not assume that everybody's making things up on the spot. Okay, any, any lawyers? Uh, Adam's email address is you, steal it, <laughs> steal it. Your uncle Terry told you to go on the internet and steal it. Okay, because it's on the internet, you can take it. And don't assume that Tolkien made up Middle Earth without taking inspiration from somebody else. Okay, every we're all standing on the shoulders of giants. Steal it to what you like, and then adjust it and make it your own. And now here's how I plot maps. Yes, there's cities, locations, NPCs. You can find the third ancestor of the person in the lavatory, whatever. I plot my world by NPCs, okay. by characters, the, the key people I need. World map, boom, there's 10 NPCs. I know who they are, I know roughly where they are because I trust in my ability that if, touching on Dan's point, you go, oh crap, we don't wanna be here. We wanna teleport three days in this direction and the DM wasn't prepped for it, I know who's there, I know what they're afraid of, I know what they want, and what their goal is. Yeah. Anything else within that session, remember only playing for a few hours, I know roughly the creatures that are in the area, and I can make enough up on the spot from what I already know to get through that session, and I can flesh the rest out later on based on where they are. Right, okay, so I'm going to jump in on that real, Go for it. real quick. You and I said the same thing, but we came at it from two different perspectives. Okay. So I do the exact same thing, but my locations are settlements that exist for a reason by people. Right. Right. So, for example, we talked last um, last episode about this city on top of a spire. And there's this, this city that's like crammed in on top of the, this very narrow spire with all these bridges. How did that get there in the first place? And why did they do that? And it's because it was a defensible battle. Right. Um, it's a strategic place to be. So, because I know that, I know that now these are kind of a more war type people. Yeah. So, I prepped the NPC that... That person in charge of that is going to be more warlord than mayor. Right. Okay, and so we're still going the other way. Because I, what I would say is when I'm joking, telling you to steal things, I mean take inspiration. So if I go on the internet and I, let's say that I see that, I'm like, oh, look at that city on top of the spire. That is really cool. I would like to include that in my world. I'll put it in there. Yes, there's a reason why that's there. I don't know why that's there right now because these guys are over here and I can't, I don't have the capacity to over prep that. I just know that I want it to be included. And if they say we're going to make our way in that direction, I will give the reason why that's there. I will then come up with a reason, but there's too much for me to plan all that out because I want to be fresh, focused and able to adjust. This is me. You over prep very well. When I over prep, I lose my flexibility and my ability to yeah, improvise me too. Me on too. the spot. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because we, we keep saying thing. over prep, 
be, as if it's a bad thing and under prep as it's, it's as if it's a bad thing. But it's it's like a minimalistic it's high style. prep. Yeah, high it's, prep. it's style. You're right. Style no, you're right, Adam. You're right. When I like as much as we rag on each other for the level of preparation we put because you're wrong. Comment. Yes. No, yeah. As much as we, I'm trying to be nice. To <laughs> as much as we do that, it's my time to strike. I mean, <laughs> I mean high prep. I mean yeah. high. Prep. I guess I I say I'm saying over prep because it's over what I would prep. Yeah, that's fair. So I mean I mean I can't high prep because I lose my flexibility. I lose my ability to 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 improvise. Um, and when the players inevitably do something which is outside of your skeleton. If I high prep, I can't handle that. So I just have the location and the NPCs, and that's how I plot my world. Cool. Rebuttals, points, anyone? No, you... Uh, what were those words you just said? You said, you said rebuttal, rebuttal or points. Oh, points rebuttals or points. You, sub- you submitted very quickly, uh, as I expected you to. <laughs> Woof. Uh, no, I'm, I'm just... All of our styles are so very different here, right? Like, I... I if my players decide that they want to teleport across the map and go to a completely different location, um, I will look at that location on the world map that I have stolen go, and go, Good man. okay, well, there's like trees and stuff near here. So there's probably a high woodland aspect to that, which means they're more survivalist. Like you were saying, like, oh, there's a reason for this town. Yeah, there's a reason for that town. I try to figure that out as my players are trying to roll to see if they just disappear into half of a wall. See, that just sounds exhausting to me. No, <laughs> I, but the thing is, I, I, I do all that and then I then flesh it out as the players interact with people. Like, And that's based, that's kind of based off my mood, based off what the players are telling me they want. Like they, if they land in this town and go, I want to go to the bordello. And I go, okay, well, let's see if there's a bordello. Is there a bordello? Sure, there's a bordello, right? Like I, I, as a DM, your role is to facilitate the game and enjoyment to the players and uh, at, at the table. So if the players are telling you they want something, you should be providing those things uh, to to, to, to a degree, degree, to a degree, degree, right? Like. If they're like, oh, yeah, I'm level one. Where's my plus five Vorpal Sword? Well, my, my, you got to level up and you need to figure this out first, right? Right, but, okay. But see, what you're doing, and again, I know that we're spending a lot of time on this, but you're sitting here saying, oh, well, then I know that over here there's this, so there should be a survivalist encampment, and you're coming up with that on the fly. I'm like, all right, fine, page 17. Because I have that prepped. I know what it is on the map already. I've yeah. got it figured out. Because Where I, if, if I so, prepped like you, I'd be like, oh, crap, what page is that on? Flip, 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 flip. Nope, my wrong way. Flip, 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 the other way. Nope, nope, nope. And Whereas like, I would... see you, Now, you're saying if someone's asking for a crazy high-powered weapon and they're a low level, you would kind of, you're essentially kind of saying, no, you're too low. That doesn't work for the game yet. I would have that weapon exist, but you're not able to use it yet. Like, yes, this weapon is here. Congratulations, you found it. Some people might say too soon, but this weapon existed, so it's there. But you need to be level 10 before you can use it. Uh, Our party member, one of our party members in my current campaign is currently wielding a weapon that is far too powerful for their level. See, I'm also a big fan of saying, yes, you can use it. But now it's a cursed item, right? Like it's this like, weapon yes, consumes you, this, yeah. yes, because it's more powerful okay. than you. I, I, yeah. I, I would really like to move on because we have spent a long time on the one thing I was hoping would be quick. How cool would it be to hear your company name on this podcast? Pretty stinking cool. It's a Mimic is ready to take our show to the next level. We want to partner with other awesome businesses to share your brand with our listeners. Please email us at info at for advertising information.
All right, so we talked earlier about Adam and his campaign with the guy scrolling on the bottom of the of the um, toilet in the outhouse with the map to his puzzles and everything else. I would like to touch really briefly on puzzles and traps and how you guys handle them real quick because I do want to get to ability checks as well. Grab your dice and let's roll. I'm ready. First. Boom. 17. Oh my god, did I win? You win. Uh, one Dutch is a dragon. Wow. We, have, we haven't rolled anything below 14 yet. That's good. We're doing very well. Okay. Okay, so Terry, puzzles and traps. I want to talk about difficulties, how you're kind of uh, facilitating a puzzle for your players. How And I do want to touch eventually on how players could handle puzzles and traps at the table. Okay. So, go. Okay, so puzzles and traps. Here's what I here's what I don't like. I, I won't say all the time. I feel there is a space for them. I don't like the uh, the hip point tax type puzzle. You you're walking through. Uh, no, nobody, you're going through. It's dark. Uh, nobody remembered to say that they're looking for something, and so they step on the thing, and you lose twenty five hit points just like this. I think yes, there's a place where that's going to work in pyramids and tombs and things, but I think we can be more clever than that um, because some people become uh, frustrated by it, and it kind of ruins the game a little bit. I like the bigger puzzles, the longer comes where. Either the encounter itself is a puzzle or has a puzzle included in it, or there's some sort of long-term mystery that you're trying to uncover. That, for me, is a puzzle. The times when you have the the, the puzzles and trap-type things in the tune, I think that's okay. But I think if it's going to be high-powered, you need to show evidence of that first. You are not the first person to go into that pyramid. There will be corpses everywhere and probably existing dead bodies if that trap has been set off previously. Hmm. I think the evidence needs to be there. It always feels so uncomfortable when you uncover a pit trap and there's nothing in the bottom of it. Right. Right? Like, if when you uncover a pit trap, there should be a skeleton, like, impaled on spikes. Like, no, 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 no. There should be a skeleton floating three feet above the ground because that is a gelatinous cube, my friend. But things like that. <laughs> but I also, this was before Dan... But I also had you guys fall for that as well, with the, where you opened a door and there was a corpse floating in the room, and, and you guys, and every, everyone there went, "What is this?" And Adam went, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> you guys opened the door, and I was like, "There's a corpse floating, and bucks are floating. This is weird. Is this some kind of reverse gravity?" Oh my god! It was great. Um, so I think there should be evidence for those who don't know. Gelatinous cubes have acid properties and things float in them and you can't really tell they never get old they're, yeah, they're like they mimics. never get old they're an iconic they're thing. like mimics we new love dms them. use them new players be afraid of them they're fantastic but so to my point so you walk through a corridor for example and this is how you um, show the players how powerful the trap is uh you come across a corpse that has 12 arrows sticking out of it all in different directions in a heap and a very specific point on in the floor heap. Okay, well, this is just my example. So the players go, 12 arrows, you say? That sounds quite powerful. Maybe I need to do my perception check now. So my point is, puzzles and traps, I prefer either the long con or don't cheat them in not giving them evidence that a trap is there. Fair enough, yeah. Cool. Um, I wanted to take that and go from a little bit more of a player perspective of sitting around a table um, Adam, you are fantastic at giving out riddles and generating these puzzles. and Just at everything in life, really. Uh, but to the barista continue, yeah. at Starbucks, it's not the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your name? I will give you a riddle. <laughs> <laughs> to find it, you have to solve a series of clues. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you recently handed us powerful magic items that had uh, uh, 
you wanted us to unlock the abilities that were within them, and the way you got us to do that uh, between me and one of the other players in our group, you handed us like pages of riddles and said, one, don't be a cheapskate, don't use Google, yep. don't figure it out, like don't don't cheat. Two, um, for each riddle you answer, new abilities, new knowledge is unlocked to you. Okay, so just because it's very general right now. Feel free to steal this because here's actually something for DMs. Yeah. Uh, you you guys uh, found the Necronomicon and it broke it into two pieces. So it was ripped in half. Um, and I said, if you put the two pieces together, everyone will die. Don't do that. This is the Book of Death. But I gave the Necromancer the first half, which is all the spells. There were 28 spells. Something like that, yeah. Um, that were listed from cantrips up through level 7 spells. Um, and for every spell, there was a riddle. If, and the riddle is based on medieval logic, right? So the answer won't be a telephone. The answer is not going to be and a And where do you way. get the riddles? Um, I have a handful of online sources that I then reworded, retooled, or I made them up as I went. I went, oh, that's close, but I like this better. <coughs> um, so you could have Googled about three quarters of them. Yep. But, uh, but the point was that uh, she got her hands on um, the these riddles and started to go through them and... If she gets it, well, she now she knows how to cast it without a material component, which is huge. Yeah. Right? Whereas well, then, some of those spells were like very well, powerful. Well, seventh, seventh level with no with no um, material component is insane. Yeah. But you guys are a high level party, so I felt comfortable doing that. But the half that you got was all about the lore. Um, and I, I mean, spoiler alert, Terry's not supposed to know any of this, but it's... Uh, it's all of the things like, how do you make a lich? What's the ritual for uh, making a mummy lord versus a mummy? Um, what is the curse of vampirism? Yeah. Right? All of these other things that are involved. <coughs> how um, to dread knight. How to dread knight. How to, how to uh, put a curse on someone or remove a curse. Um, and uh, animal sacrifices, human sacrifices, soul sacrifices. Right? So there were yeah, all of these things. Yeah, you know some shit now. So, so anyway... <laughs> Um, but then Dan had to go ahead and solve those riddles as well in order to unlock bits and pieces and slowly put this together because it was supposed to have been written in an ancient, long-forgotten text that you guys, if you focus long enough, you will be able to figure this out. But I'm not going to make a language. No. <laughs> right? So here's some riddles instead to be a representation of you guys of all the people it. sitting around this microphone, I would think the person who would create a, create language, a language would be, would be Adam. Adam. I literally created an alphabet for the last campaign, if you remember. So, oh I, yeah, I, yeah, no, yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah, you did. I just didn't want to do it again. <laughs> that's awesome. No, I, I, I think that's great the way you kind of went around it because it's something that we, we understand, but we to our, our characters is a language. I also want to point out that the way that you did this, just I know the internet out there is not playing our campaign, but having known the person for ten years who plays Acra. When your character confessed to her that that your character has read the other half of the book and the whole if they if, oh I thought she was gonna fly across the table and pummel and that me. you will die like if she me reads it, Dan will die because I read half that when book. she said this because I know her very well <laughs> she said so you took that from me knowing that that was my life's mission I needed it and if I read it you will die and you went yeah and she did this okay. And then moved on from it. I was like, I know what that means. <laughs> and your Dan days on the are numbered. Yeah. So over the next few levels, I would watch that character very closely. <laughs> so anyway, you're making a point about, about puzzles. Yeah. So what I, as a player, I find puzzles can be both infuriating and 
incredibly rewarding. Um, more towards the incredibly rewarding. I love the mental gymnastics you have to do to fall to answer some riddles or answer some puzzles uh, some puzzles we just got through the tomb of annihilation and there are some fantastic riddles and puzzles in there like rooms with a treasure chest in the middle with little uh 12 inch by 12 inch tiles each with a design and you have to follow the path to get to the thing and if you step on one wrong one the room fills with flames sand water gnats locusts whatever yeah you know rocks fall you die um so you gotta figure out the path but there is no answer key anywhere you gotta find like clues from five different places in the in the dungeon mm -hmm. so uh players if you come across a puzzle that seems insurmountable at that point please 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 no that could just be a roadblock your G your dm is putting in front of you and you need more information to proceed don't be the reckless barbarian like I am and have been so many times in the past and just be like, eh, I've got a pile of hit points. Let's just see if I can get there before I fall unconscious. Because you will fall unconscious and now your party has to put themselves in danger to be able to rescue We you. talked about this, I think it was the last podcast where Adam and I were talking about my character that just ran through the walls of fire instead of doing the puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. And you still take the same amount of fire damage. Yeah. Um, yeah, and on the same bit, like... Um, my campaign, we, uh, for DMs, uh, keep your traps interesting. Not everything's a pit trap. Not everything is a, you know, arrows coming out of holes in the, in the wall. It's not all Indiana Jones. It's not all Indiana Jones. There's not, you know, 20 foot tall boulders rolling after you. There should be 20 foot tall boulders rolling after you occasionally. Mm -hmm. We play this game with inspiration from these sources, so use them. It, it, but it, it, if I may, I'm going to, I'm just going to jump on this right now. You have an entire section of spells at the back of the book. Put any one of them inside yeah. any quote-unquote trap and have that go off. And even if it doesn't make sense, this person is charmed now. Okay, so if they fail this trap, they're just slowly walking towards the edge of the cliff. And they cannot stop. It's up to the rest yeah. of the party to get yeah. them. Right? Like, that's a unique and interesting thing based off of... That you never would have thought of unless you were looking at your there's, spell list. There's also... You can do mundane traps, interestingly. I had a character who uh, this barbarian guy had to wear, like, put-together clothes because he woke up naked on a beach at the start of the campaign. Um, Why are barbarians always naked? Um, <laughs> anyway, never mind. Keep going. Never mind. You, keep going. Have you, ever, you, have you ever watched Conan? Like, if you got muscles upon muscles upon muscles and you're constantly cut, show it off, man. And, I and, do. And sweaty. Show it off. I, I do, but I just have layers and layers of fat on top of them, and I'm still sweaty. So well, we live so in, I wear a shirt. We live like, in Canada, so our uh, priorities are a little different. Okay, yeah, right. So. Yeah. Anyways, uh, DMs throw mundane traps. So this 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 character crossed a threshold and uh, brazenly opened a door, which caused a pile of tar to fall, like a bucket full of tar to fall on him, and then an alchemist fire potion. On a 10-foot pole, strung up to the ceiling with a rope, unhooked, and smacked him in the chest, lighting the tar on fire that was on him. <laughs> he, I, I love that type of thing. Yeah, right? And, and it's, it's kobolds. Like, you have these monsters. Kobolds are a great example that are focused on their trap-making ability. Mm -hmm. Like, they can make a trap in a manner of seconds that would take hours for the mundane human to do. So use this. Tweak it. Um... Use mundane traps. Be interesting with it. And players, always expect the unexpected. Don't go crawling through a dungeon looking every five feet with a search check. 
or, or a perception check. Sorry, my 3.5 is bleeding in. But, you know, be aware of the fact that you're in an ancient dungeon and people die. And there's a reason why there's a treasure still sitting at the end of it. Can I throw some ideas in for this? Yeah. For traps? Because I yeah. love where you're going with this. Because, uh, yes, I love mundane traps or, or the, the, the classic tropes when it comes to traps. Because, remember, there's a lot of people out there that didn't get to do that before. So if you as a DM have played for 25 years and you want to reimagine that same thing, that's great. Because it, it, it caters to both audiences then. Mm. People have never seen it before, but also the people that want those classics, that want those um, Indiana Jones styles, they get that as well. Even yours, Adam, when you were talking about you are now charmed and you're walking towards a cliff, that for me is a pit trap. You're walking towards a pit trap or you're walking towards a cliff edge. It's the same effect. You've just done it in a different way. I also like punishing other people because it brings people together. If you want to be, against the dungeon, but master. if okay, well, let's use the classic. <laughs> we always say barbarian, but it's not. Sometimes it's fighter, sometimes it's rogue, sometimes paladin. Uh, who thinks it's usually a barbarian? I'm meaty. I will risk taking the damage. That's cool, friend. You you hear a click, and the wizard blows up fifteen feet behind you because that's where the trap is. The trigger is over there. All right, all right. I'm gonna quote this when I blow up the wizard tomorrow session. Do it because that's yeah. what I love. I I think you should please, punish please do because it's the wizard that. I am reading half of her book and she's mad at me. Do you know what else I love? When the effect is not clear. Let's go with a click. You hear a click. What happens? Nothing. What does that mean? (laughs) The anxiety on the table skyrockets because you're like, you have triggered something, but there's no current effect. But it may be that the trap has already been set off because there's a corpse next to you and it doesn't reset. It may be nothing. It may be everything. I love delayed effects as well. Yeah. You get shot with a dart. How does it feel? kind of feels a little bit numb right now. Anything else? No. no. What does that mean? <laughs> Five <laughs> minutes later, you're <laughs> unconscious on the ground, the, twitching. The answer is not no. The answer is not yet. Yeah, or not yet. Exactly. <laughs> I like, I, I, I love that because, but it, it makes them think something's coming. But I like to fuck with them in that, does, do I feel anything? Nope. But it definitely hit you. Moving on. Okay. okay. So, uh, I do want to, uh, I get my turn Oh, too. I guess you get your turn. You go. Yeah, you go. All right. So, you guys have talked about traps and you've talked about puzzles. One thing that I want to talk about now is um, solving them. Because we always talk about how fun it is to, to set off the trap or to solve the puzzle. Um, but we, we don't deal with the, the techniques that are used necessarily. So really quickly, I just want to, to throw out a shout out to the 10-foot pole. Oh, um, yeah. The 10-foot pole was a staple of Dungeons & Dragons for years, and it fell by the wayside after 4th edition, where people tend not to use it. Always, always, always carry a 10-foot pole, or two 5-foot poles, that you can then slam together somehow and click them into place, because you need to be able to be tapping the ground in front of you, or <laughs> interrupting that beam of light from far enough away that you oh. don't blow up, right? My favorite use of the 10-foot pole was... Again, to strap an alchemist fire to one end and really mess up someone's day if they were if they were bothering you. Unless you have what I just described, which is the trigger is here, the trap is over there. Oh no, absolutely! That's when the DM has to start to get a little bit more creative. But from a player's perspective, using the ten foot bolt to like activate the traps, you and still you blow just, up. You still blow up. Uh, that's that's awesome. But you should don't just think like these evil guys because a lot of the stuff in the modules hits the person on the trigger. Yeah. So. Think about your 10-foot pole. The other thing that you should always, always, always have in one pocket is sand. Very, very fine sand or flour. Because you're going to be able to throw it into the room and see where the air currents are to find secret doors. Mm -hmm. You're going to be able to hit someone that's invisible. 
Well, there's yep. an invisible barrier. What does it look like? I don't know. I'm going to hit it with a fistful of flour. And it's going to stick to it. This is how you get past a lot of traps and puzzles, is by thinking outside the box. So don't rely on your character sheet for it. Rely on your own problem-solving methods outside of Dungeons and & Dragons. And, and, how would you deal with this? And it's not just that. Another thing you'll, as a player... Like, these are, like, player staples. Like, every character should have but, a 50-foot rope and a grapple. But but 5th edition has a lot of new players that don't understand that yeah. your single best friend at any given time is a rope. Your second best friend is a hammer. Yeah. And after that is a shovel. Now, pick your weapon. Right? Yeah, we're, we, we get so stuck on spells. Yeah, or spells or weapons or, like, are yeah. the combat version of the game. Um, I want to add one more thing to, like, uh, adventuring discovery parties must-haves. Chalk. Oh, absolutely. Like, if you are stuck in a labyrinth, you need to you need the chalk, right? Mm-hmm. Well, um, it, I also always carry around twine for kind of the same reason. Like, following that little ball of twine around and then you just go back the other way. Like... But it's really useful to be able to leave messages to people, too, where you put a little chalk X yeah. in the bottom corner, yeah. and that means this, right? Rogues should always be thinking about how to leave messages to other people, because I feel like that's part of Thieves' Can't. It's not just, like, it's, like it's nonsense symbols words. And it's it's yeah. symbols and sign language. I see it as, like... No, I think it's even more than that. It's code. It, it's, like, when you have you seen the old Mission Impossible stuff where someone sits down and goes, it's mighty fine day today and someone else goes, it is a good thing I brought my umbrella and now they know that they're speaking the same language yeah. as the code. That's also Thieves Can't. Yeah. Right? I'm not sure but I would imagine somebody might be able to correct me on this if this is where something like Cockney Rhyming Slang came from. It's like smugglers and things like that. I would I, assume so. I, yeah. I've never looked into it but you just got me thinking there. That's probably where that came from. Yeah. Is people are not um, making themselves guilty. You know? Cockney rhyming slang. Okay, so what one of the one of the things here's here's the example that I always have is someone says I'm in Barney. What that means is I'm in trouble. Trouble rhymes with rubble. Barney rubble. I'm in Barney. So there's an entire concept behind what you've heard of Cockney. You having no? You having a bubble? You having a bubble bath? Go watch. Go watch uh, Lockstock Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch again. That those movies are just full of it. Anytime there's a line that you don't understand what they're talking about. They're saying something else. It's it's incredible. It's incredible. Uh, anyway, but I imagine that's where that came from. It's I would, probably I would assume something so. like that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, the other thing that I want to address real quick from the other side of things is when you're setting up your trap, when you're setting up your puzzle, do not have one answer. What I like to do with my puzzles is um, not necessarily riddles, but puzzles is have four or five different answers that give you half of the half of the necessary information so <coughs> i will take the answer you need to be able to hit the the purple um square as opposed to all the other colored geometrical shapes on the wall it's the purple square specifically okay i will tell you in one clue somewhere that you need to hit the square so now you know one of the squares is the answer somewhere else it's purple somewhere else it's combined red and blue to find the answer somewhere else it's the color of twilight somewhere else it's you're looking for four sides right it could be a, a rectangular square but that way, when they miss, when the players miss the appropriate clue, because they don't pick up on it. Players, I love you. You're dumb. You're just dumb. I feel like I consistently have to force feed answers and be like, oh, there's a bookshelf with one book on it. So, right. As it a, might be a mimic. Let's leave. <laughs> so, so have in different places, different ways to show this information so that they can grab it because your players 
may not be in ex- exploration mode at that time. They or, might be in combat mode where they're just looking at the thing to stick with the pointy end. Yeah, or maybe someone yeah. lit Alchemist Fire over in the other room and it just naturally spread over to this room. You're like, oh great, now my clue is gone, but the puzzle is still there. <laughs> now what? And instead of you scrambling at the last minute, a disembodied voice says, right? Like, <laughs> instead of that, make sure that you have... To the left, idiot. <laughs> yeah, you have enough other clues and drop them early. Yeah. Because that way, what they're doing is they're slowly um, bringing in all these different answers, all these different clues to different puzzles and questions. And now they another part of the puzzle is which clue goes to which puzzle. Yeah. Right, and so that's another factor. I never have one puzzle; I've got four that are going at any given time. So that you're sitting there going, "Okay, wait a minute. What does this little this little shrine, this golden shrine that had this this item on top of it? We took the golden shrine. It's magical. It's not magical now. Wait, isn't magical? What is this for? How do I use it? It's coming, guys. It is, <laughs> but it's not coming for this. It's not going to get you past okay, the pit trap. Yeah. I want to move on. All this has been fantastic, but before we move I on... I had a question, but I'll ask you later. It's okay. <laughs> um, before we move on, I do want to do a quick little shout-out to uh, Dungeon Keep Accessories. Uh, they are a local to us. We're all in the West Coast of Canada. They're a local to us. Little uh, nerd and uh, paraphernalia, like, yep. creation shop. They're Dice fantastic. bags, coins. Dice yep. bags, coins, uh Ability card holders, spell card holders, all these other wonderful things. They actually sent us some dice bags and this really cool mimic-shaped card holder that's got like eyes and teeth and it's, it's gorgeous. Fuzzy. It's really it's, well made. I, I, those I, dice bags we, are gorgeous. We, I want you to know that we literally great. fought over who gets to have. We are still <laughs> fighting over it. It's not you. It's you're, terrible. you're terrible. You're terrible. You're a bad person. I just took mine away before anybody <laughs> can say. Which, Hey guys, which one do you want? Okay, I'm going by. <laughs> but anyways, uh, you guys could uh, see her on our Etsy shop at uh, Dungeon Keep. You could also see her on Facebook at Dungeon Keep Etsy and on Instagram at Dungeon Keep. Give her a look, give her a like, subscribe, follow her, do what you need to do. Buy her stuff; she's fantastic. Get out those dice bags; they're beautiful. Oh, they're beautiful. Oh, it's fantastic. I get the big one, and it holds. I think it said 150, 150. dollars. I've got 150 in it, and I can put another like 70 inside. Yeah. So I'm stoked about this. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So, next. I was really hoping that this would be the long one, but we're going to have to enjoy some brevity here, gents. I want to talk about ability checks. Okay. Um, specifically, with more of a player uh, perspective on this one... DMs, we all know you understand what ability checks can do. For the newer DMs, if it's a strength check, if it's a dexterity check, if it's an intelligence check, if it's a wisdom check, if it's a charisma check, if it's any of the uh, skills associated with those abilities, DMs, it's your prerogative to be able to pull from those checks and say, hey, this is what you as a player need to be rolling. But players, if it's up to you, I want to kind of sit around this table and be like, hey guys, what do we do with things like aiding and helping? How do we handle things like intelligence checks and knowledge checks? So let's grab the dice, let's do one last roll for the session, and we'll move on from here. Five. What? Eight. I got an eight. Dan got a 19. 19. Okay, so I am going to tackle the player perspective of how to use a check. Um, Primarily because... I play with a lot of new groups, and by new groups I mean like new players, and no, a lot you of keep players kicked out of existing groups. That too. 
that, keep, that, keep going. That, that too. I'm abrasive by nature. Anyways, uh, the... And by texture. And by texture. Uh-huh. It's the beard. Beard, right? Beard, Terry? Yep. Mm-hmm. Anyways. <laughs> okay. make, make your point. <laughs> um, play, new players kind of sit at the, game, uh, at the table, and they don't know what this game really truly is. They don't know what to expect with it. They're still kind of trying to figure it out. So, as a player... You got to think, this is the most open, unstructured, with a structure, form of gameplay you can engage in. If you want to do anything, and this is what I tell all my players at all my tables, whether or not I'm playing or running the game, you can do anything you want. There's a role associated with it, and you do that with an ability check. So, if you want to do a backflip over the orc to catch it unawares and stab it in the spine, roll in acrobatics or in athletics. If you want to... Uh, be able to find that special kind of mushroom in the forest for a fun evening. Well, roll a survival or a natural, uh, natural, natural. nature check, right? These are all things you have the ability to do. So players, please be imaginative. Be, um, be okay with coming up with those weird solutions to problems. And this, this covers the traps, things that we talked about earlier. Be okay with... Throwing a weird idea at your DM and being like, hey, can I try to do this? Yeah, think outside the box. Think a lot, the a box, lot of yeah. people get stuck in the video game of I can act or I can move. Yeah. And that's the video game mentality. But And sure, when you're in combat, you are limited. But even your interaction doesn't have to be I talk. It can be I unlock the door. You can use your interaction to do that yeah. You because you're interacting with the world around you. Your combat doesn't need to be I swing my sword. It could be I smash with the pommel of it, right? I'm going to throw an elbow. I'm going to... For whatever it is that you want to do, you are getting your attack. And I mean, weapons have other benefits. But you're absolutely right, Dan. There are ways to think about this game beyond the the, um, structured set that we are used to playing with in all games. Yeah. This is really um, the game where you can do anything. I remember being so disappointed in the old Hulk video game where it said, you can do anything. And I went to smash the wall in the first level and the wall wouldn't smash. Because of course it can't, right? They got a program, there's limitations. But I was disappointed. I'm the Hulk, I want to smash a wall. Mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons, at some point I will smash walls. Like that is that is on the table, definitely. And at yeah. level one, I'll try it, bounce off and be like, maybe a little later. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So that that that's the thing I wanted to kind of get out there um, on the internet is players... Feel okay with being imaginative with your actions, interactions, even your movements. Like, if your movement is to climb up a tree, grab a rope, and Tarzan your way over to a guy and kick him square in the chest, yeah, do it. You're a wizard, probably not going to go well for you, but do it. But try anyway, yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, and, and that's the other thing. If you are a fighter and you want to try to read a book, that's okay. If you're a barbarian and want to try to read a book, that's okay. If you're a wizard and want to try to arm wrestle a dude, that's okay. You can do it. Your just chances are going to be lower than those who are. Well, well keep more in able. mind because we that, have a twenty-sided dice that is going to determine what you can do. But, you can always roll a crit. But it, it's no okay. Hold on. No, I'm oh, dispelling okay. that myth right now. A crit is not an auto success on ability. Checks. No, but it is a twenty to the DC. Right, but the same way that a one is not an automatic failure. Yeah. In an ability check. And a zero modifier means you are average. Yes. If yeah. you have a, a eight in an ability, and so you have a minus one modifier, 
then you are slightly below average. You're not handicapped. You don't sit there and go, I'm a barbarian and I have a nine in my intelligence. Therefore, I've decided to be illiterate. No. No, that's not this. Yeah. If you want to be illiterate, talk to me about your negative uh, your negative three modifier, yeah. right? Your intelligence score of five. And, and like, nowhere is this more apparent than social interactions. Absolutely. You'll have the bard who has just been sitting there waiting with their 18 charisma. Like, I got a plus four, guys. I'm ready to do this. It's, I've, I'm a lore bard, and I have double proficiency. I've got expertise in, in uh, persuasion, so we're going to do this. Like, the barbarian could cut in there and be like, hey, I'm also going to try to talk to the king. It is often okay. I find when the people who are not built toward the thing are doing the thing is when the best entertainment comes out of the game. Okay, I need to jump in on this because I know what you're saying, but I also understand it from another perspective. So, D&D, the game where you can do anything. Until you do something that the nerd has been playing for 10 years does not agree with. And they <laughs> shut you down. And so for new players, I think often they don't want to express something that they think is interesting because nerds are me and they, they get shut down a lot. And also they don't They're, know yeah. their options. What you're saying, Dan, is great. But I think, and I know we'll put it on the players, DMs have to encourage and lead by example. So social yeah. encounters, okay, the bard probably and probably the rogue is doing the talking. But at some point, that NPC, played by the DM, needs to ask the barbarian a question. Needs to speak to the paladin. Right. I, I hear what you're saying. I think that this deserves its own conversation um, in one of the next few episodes. We've, we've covered combat. We're doing exploration. We're going to do social encounters right. and role-playing next. So we should cover it there. Yeah. Um, but I think that you're absolutely right with the idea of the DMEs to set expectations. And that needs to start right from a session zero. Yeah. So let's jump on that topic in the yeah. future. I think, yeah, no, absolutely. No, I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy that. to. But when it comes to ability checks and things like that, uh, and you're saying kind of make it more interesting, which is what we're talking about now, I think the DM for newer players, you need to be aware of this and give them options. You see a pit trap in front of you. You know by looking at it that it may be possible to jump over. The rocks look rough. You may also be able to climb around or you may want to discuss other options. So then they get start to get creative instead of going, I don't know, wizard. Um, yep. Look, that brings up the next question of when you are sitting there trying to figure out how to get around this, this pit trap or not, are you using... Again, that I think the DM... Is this what you want to talk about? Because you were next in the initiative role. Yeah, sure. I, yeah, I can go next. Okay. Uh, th this, uh, do you you When do you use which skills? Right? And I... I okay. I Again, 3.5, I call them skills instead of abilities because we have abilities, ability scores, ability modifiers, and ability checks. And it's insane to me that it's all the same thing. So I and always we go, use the term skill check. Yeah. It's like, yeah. So... Um, <laughs> or skill challenge. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, these these sorry. abilities or skills, whatever they are, when do you use? <laughs> when do you use which one? When are you using your perception versus your investigation? When you are going out to uh, gain information, because this used to be one of the skills was gather information was a skill. Um, are you, but now we don't have that. Are you using an insight or using investigation? You go out in the town to ask questions of, of people. Which one are you going to roll for? Or is that uh, or is that some sort of survival check? Yeah, I'm with right. you. I, I think... Um, My answer is yes. <laughs> I, like, I, think, I like how, how however you want to use that, like, uh, see, like flavor that investigation, that, that thing. However you well, want you're to saying when does the, the DM decide which, which check is being done? 
Yeah, and frankly, I think that the answer isn't just yes. I, I'm pretty relaxed at the table, but I think that there are specific rules about when you're going to use some things and when you shouldn't. Okay. For example, when I'm going to try to uh, heal someone with something that I made in an herbalism kit, I'm not rolling survival on that. I'm just not. And this is not knowledge nature. This is medicine. Period. Right? When I am looking to observe something... Even if I if it's a piece of a puzzle that's on a wall and I'm trying to figure it out, that is my perception. When I then have the puzzle box in my hand and I am now doing the Rubik's Cube, that is investigation. You're figuring out how it works, okay. right? So there are different times to use different skills. And I just wanted to ask you guys, for my portion, I'm going to pull the audience with you guys. Sure. Um, what are the most confusing skills? Uh, I think the common one that gets confused is perception versus investigation. Uh, is when to use which one. I think there's kind of levels to it, and I'll explain that more in a second. But perception for me is uh, is how aware you are of the world around you. Because sometimes you will say, roll an investigation check because you are closely looking at a door. You are investigating it, and you might get the argument, can I roll a perception check? If you stand back 30 feet and just look at the general area, you can roll a perception check because you are perceiving the area around you as opposed to investigating one particular thing. But... Then you also said, what about if we're gathering information in a town? Is that an investigation? We're investigating. It is, but I would do that layered. So I would ask the question, tell me roughly what you're doing. Oh, I want to go and uh, investigate the taverns. Okay, so you go to the tavern. I want you to roll a perception check because the first thing you're doing is taking in the area around you. Yeah, based on your perception check, <coughs> based on your perception check, I might tell you that you notice a, a suspicious looking group in the corner. Now we're going to the next level of it where maybe you investigate them closer or we start to do insight checks based on body language and things. But I think there needs to be levels to it when it's a larger challenge where we're trying to pinpoint it to a specific thing. Right. I think I think that's a great answer. Yeah. Um, and I think that perception, investigation, and insight are the three that often can can step on each other's toes. Right. And I want to say it comes down to three very basic rules if you're confused. Perception is about what information do you not have yet that you are trying to gain. Mm. That's perception. Mm. Yeah. Investigation is what are you doing with the information that you have at hand? After your perception is your investigation. You perceive the bookshelf, now you investigate the bookshelf. But if it is a person or a creature or a social encounter of some sort, now it's an insight. Right, The moment that it starts to become more about a person and less about an environment, we've gone from investigation into insight. And those are the basic rules that I go off of. Yeah. But Dan, what are, what are other confusing ones that people get all confused about when they're... And just in general skills? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the difference, uh, you brought it up earlier, the, the, the um, association between survival, animal handling, nature, and uh, medicine. Ooh, yeah. The four of those and when to use them for <laughs> anything involving outdoors. Yeah. Like, it, it it gets rough, right? Like, I've, I've had players at a table say that they want to try to use diplomacy on a horse. That's um, 3.5. Or, or persuasion on a yeah. horse. And... I go, no, that's animal handling. I'm like, well, I don't have animal handling. It's like, well... Well, that's the game. You're that's talking... That's the game. That's the game. You're talking to a horse. Yeah. Like... And you're not good at talking to on. horses, so yeah. it is harder yeah. for you. You're not the, Mr. Ed. Move on. Or, or turn to the wizard and be like, uh, speak with animals, please, so I can persuade this. Yes, yeah. right? And like, if you have magic bringing in, yeah, there's ways. But uh, specifically when it boils down to medicine, uh, how to use it, does it regen hit points? Does it... Just stabilize. If you bring a medicine kit in to that equation, 
Do you get hit points? Does it just stabilize? There are clear rules, and I've yet to see a table do it completely correct. So I think everybody homebrews it. Everyone homebrews it, right? And and that's okay. I'm okay with homebrew. But like, so what's your answer? My answer: uh, you use medicine checks to stabilize. Anyone could stabilize anybody with a successful medicine check. If you're bringing in a medicine kit, you could actually regen hit points. It is hit point. Hit point. You are bringing that person, the person who is unconscious, to consciousness. Okay. Um, but it it expends the use of that kit until a long rest or until you use your survival or nature to go put new things in it. Um, there's also we could talk about kits and medicine and alchemy kit and how when they you, work. Yeah, we're gonna do kits well, on another episode. When we're gonna do, you do that survival later. versus nature. When do you use survival versus nature? Nature. Okay, so nature, as with arcane and uh, history, history and, and religion, are all knowledges. Knowledges. They are. I read this in a book once. But you can read that wolf's bane is good for this ailment. And you could read where it is closely associated and where on the side of a tree it grows in a book. That's your nature check. Survival is actually the application of that knowledge. It's the same thing between perception and investigation. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, so nature is do I know, do, can I get that information in the first place? Survival is the application of that information. Yeah. And And... The, and this is the tricky thing is because survival is a wisdom-based skill and it's the application. And intelligence, uh, all the knowledges are intelligence-based skills. And it's inverted the second you're doing it with perception and investigation. Perception yeah. is the gathering skill and it's a wisdom-based skill and investigation is intelligence. What about if you're trying to figure out what a creature is? What a creature is? If a large, creature, a, if a large creature with wide eyes. No, you roll a no, knowledge whoa, whoa, check. Well, yeah, you roll a knowledge check depending on which one it is. Yeah. If it's a fiend, that's a religion check. If it's an aberration from another plane, that's an arcana check. If it is an owl bear and they're you know local to the area, if it's a beast of some time or some kind, I would say that that's a nature check. Yeah. Uh, if it is, I would even say for some things like dragons. So you're saying dependent that on the type of creature. That could be history. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Dependent yeah. upon the type of creature. Yeah. Undead are going to be your so, religion and stuff as well. So yeah. you hear a roar and you see gnashing teeth and fur roll initiative and everyone goes, oh my god, what is it? Roll a check. Which one? No, no, no. Roll your check. Does you a check me. take part of your action? Yeah, absolutely it does. Absolutely it does. Because what we, part? Uh, it should take, um, well, it depends what you're trying to do. If you're trying to backflip over somebody, that's going to be part of your movement. No, no. I meant like specifically a knowledge check, like trying to determine what it is. Where does that sit? Because it's an interaction. I, it's an interaction. I say, yeah, I yeah, say, a, I say so, it doesn't so take an action. So in, in actual like free at the table terms, it's a free action. Like it's not going to take your movement. It's not going to take your bonus. It's not going to take your action. Right. But it's your interaction. You can recall what this is, but you don't get to tell everybody else about it. Yeah. yeah it's, right. I agree yet. with that. Yet. If yeah. A, I'll if tell you a next cat turn. walks into this room right now, in my mind, I'm doing a check and I go, that's a cat in my head. It didn't take me an action to figure out. I didn't have to pick it up and investigate and move it around. You know, I know what a cat is. And if you know, you know. Yeah. It's not an action. Chance, or, chance they're going to pick up that cat and look at it though. Or, I might have been wrong. I might go, that's a cat. And Woof. Dan might go, that's a chihuahua, Terry. In which case, I still did a check. Didn't take an action. <laughs> I just failed the check. That's okay. That's a complicated one anyways. <laughs> that's my child. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, so... But, but no, hold on. So, I asked you guys... All right. What what are what are the different uh, difficulty ones? As far as um, <coughs> here's the other one that I, that I find is really 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 important that people screw up all the time is athletics, acrobatics, yeah, sleight of hand. 
when do you use what? Mm -hmm. So um, when you are going to pickpocket someone and like the barbarians doing it and they don't have anything into sleight of hand, Mm -hmm. they want to use acrobatics. The answer is just straight up no. It is sleight of hand check. Sleight of hand is do you want to accomplish something with your hands that you that is either very very fast or you want to go unnoticed. Yeah. So it is a dex based check. Uh, is something to add? Uh, I'm letting you finish and then I have a point. Okay. <laughs> uh, acrobatics is um, anything dexterity based that's going to include your full movement. Your acrobatics is going to be when you go to the social encounter and there's a dance going on. Right, you're not rolling. That's performance. Mm. Uh, it can be. It can also be if there is a certain amount of uh, line dancing and stuff that you don't know. That's the, the so here. Here's where my point is coming in. If the player is imaginative enough to justify why they're using an athletics check for a dance, go nuts, roll it. The D. I might set the DC in my head a little higher because you're trying to use a skill what it's not exactly built for. But yeah. Do it. Like, I don't I don't understand the... Like, some things. Yes, hard, fast rule. If you are trying to pickpocket someone and you're like, I want to use athletics. Oh, I mean, yeah, you're going to push them over and take their wallet. They're going to notice. But that's how that's going to play out. Yeah, but also, why are you taking that? It's like, it, this is the situation. I want to use athletics. Okay, but that's... My job, I tell you what to do there. In also that sense, true. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. What but about if a player one, wants to use it and they can justify a good enough reason, why not let them? Well, okay, because there's a, there's a certain specific time when you can do one or the other, right? You look at the grapple checks, for example, where you're rolling athletics versus athletics or acrobatics, period. You don't get to roll acrobatics to try to grapple someone. Mm-hmm. You're just, that just, it's in there, that's the mechanic, and I wouldn't mess with that. The same way that you cannot use your arcana check. To grapple someone. That is just not going to happen. You yeah. absolutely... Well, I know. And that's why I say if they can explain it well enough. Yeah, but then you got someone at the table like me who I can just pull the BS out. I will be using my, my insight check to get past this boss battle every single oh, time. Oh, are you talking right? about Adam... Uh, by any chance, when I was a brand new DM and you asked me if you could create water inside somebody's lungs if because it was a, their if, mouth is open. If lungs were an open <laughs> container. <laughs> if he's talking. I was, I was, you are I terrifying think it was like session one. Yeah. My first ever session DMing, you were like, because that would be an open vessel. And I was like, uh, yes. And then we did it and I was like, obviously, Terry, Pro you tip. can't do this. Because you would just be able to drown a dragon. <laughs> Pro tip, never say yes to Adam. What, I, I get because that, I there's like three eye. or four yeah. different things saying, behind that. I'm just saying Adam's is point is pulling out the BS. That can be done. What about this one? I've got a question for yeah. you. I'm a wood elf ranger. You can tell by looking at me, my lack of beard. Yeah. Um, and there's a 10-foot gap. And I want to jump over that gap. And I'm going to say I'm going to try and jump over the gap. There are hard and fast rules on what you're able to, to do with a running start, uh, vertical and horizontal. That stuff exists. If this is outside of your realm of being able to do it, yep. then yes, absolutely, you can attempt with a roll. Okay, but what, there what, are, what I'm attempting to do it, what role would you give me naturally? That is athletics, period. Okay, but I'm not very good at athletics, so I now go to, I will backflip over this hole. That's still athletics. Athletics is jumping, climbing, swimming. If you need to have strength, because athletics is a strength-based uh, skill or ability, if it is strength-based, you have to lean out and take a look at it. Zoom out as a DM and say, what is this? Is this dexterity or is this strength? And if it is strength, then it's athletics, period. Good. That's kind of what I was going for is because I, I figured you would probably get there is is not being swayed 
by something when it seems like you may need to ch change. So naturally, the Wood Elf Ranger goes, well, I'll backflip over it because my acrobatics is very good. And I, for some reason, I can't jump 10 feet, but I can backflip 10 feet yeah. by acrobatics, no, right? No, no, you so can't. Sticking hard. So now, now here's the thing. If that same player goes, well, there's an adjoining wall that's a flat, can I run across that wall? Yeah, okay, then that, that's acrobatics. No, absolutely not. I would say it is, yeah. No, because that is a monk ability that they get specifically, so I'm not going to reward it to a ranger. Otherwise, I'm neutering the, the concept of what a monk is. If there's no monk in the party, yeah, but even if there is a monk in the party, if they roll a high enough acrobatics, they could try. If not, there is a there is a reason for failure. There's a consequence for failure. If they try to run across that wall they could, and they roll a 5, they are plummeting down that crevice. I would say if they roll a 22, they're plummeting down that crevice because you can't do that. That's, that's simply <laughs> it, right? You could sit there and say, hey, I'm going to use my sleight of hand to take the dragon's horde. No. <laughs> No, you are not. And that's just it. You, there have to be hard and fast limits on it. Everybody runs a different table, different way. But this is why I have helping and aiding. Where helping means that another person can say, you know what? I'm going to help you get across this by giving you a boost. Right. Right. I'm going to throw you and you launch out of my arms when you do it. All right. Now you have advantage on that role. So you have a much better chance of getting across. Yeah. And then you have someone else saying, okay, look, uh, you're boosting what I do. I'm going to roll a perception check to see where the best place is to uh, land and the best place is to launch from because it's not exact straight lines and there are little outcroppings and stuff. So I'm going to say, okay, now you know what? That's great. Aiding adds a plus two to whatever this person's role is. So there's no perception role for that person. They're sitting there going, I'm going to try to aid by using my perception. Right, and then there's no athletics role for the person giving the boost. He said, "I'm going to use my athletics to be able to help." But these have to be proficient, trained skills if you're going to do a help or an aid. Okay, I was going to say, do you do you you set a DC as well so that person goes, "I want to spend my action to aid." Do they still roll that skill? And if they roll above, then no. it is counted or no, 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 no. The way that the way that I run I, it, I do. I have done that on my tables where if someone wants to A is like, okay, we well, gotta roll it, but you gotta get B to ten. Oh, you let them right? know what the DC's gonna I, be. I, right. I, right? Like you just gotta do it. I, in my head, it's fifth ed. This person wants to accomplish this thing. I'm making everybody work together as a party, and there is still a role involved at the chance of failure, we're good enough. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So that that's how I would come at it. Okay, cool. So, Dan, you're last in initiative by just... No, not, I was first. Terry's last. Oh, Terry, you're last in initiative. Oh, I feel like I've made all of my points during everyone <laughs> else's conversation. Um, I... <laughs> okay, um... actually, there, there's one more thing I did want to bring up. There is this list of ability checks that is your like your skills, your athletics, your all these other things. If something doesn't fit in there, like, perfectly... Sounds like you have an example. Go. Uh... Yeah, if you want to use your abilities to cook food, okay, right, like and to cook a certain kind of food, like, or you want to engage in a straight up arm wrestle with a dude, or I, something along these lines. I feel like you can these, always find one to justify it. Well, you can find a way to justify it, yes, but if for whatever reason you can't, yeah, there is also this raw ability scores. You look on the other side, you have your plus five if you got a 20 strength. Yeah. Get them to roll an ability check that way. Get yeah, them like to roll a... Straight intelligence. Right? Yeah. Like, I just want to roll a straight intelligence check. Or rate a, roll a straight charisma check. Like, if you are an untrained person trying to, um, I don't know, gamble. 
figure roll some, a straight charisma figure check. Figure something out for the first time. Right? Yeah, yeah, right? Do something like that. If you're trying to determine someone's intention straight away. Well, this is a straight either is int or wisdom check, whatever you want to do at the time. Yeah, but right? but we have stuff for that. Like yeah. insight already exists for that, right? Yeah. So but I hear what you're saying, like, yeah, th- like there's a you, way around you it. You can all the go time, back but. and do that, but uh mentioning these weird things, do you guys have any favorites? Yeah, I mean, I've got, I've got one that I always like, and it's a distraction, mm. right? If there is a because the battlemaster gets the ability to distract, that's built right into yeah. to that uh, subclass of fighter. But if there is a charging owl bear that's coming at the party, and the one guy is sitting there going, the barbarian's up front and center with the two battle axes out, going, "I'm gonna take it," and you're like, "Okay, you know what I'm gonna do?" As a bard, I'm just gonna be like. Uh, hey, over here! Right. What what yeah. role is that? Right? Yeah. You're just going to try to distract it long enough, maybe to give the barbarian advantage on their hit. Is that if that's what you're going for? What are you doing? Is that a perception? Or no, sorry, not a perception. Is that a performance? Is that a um, persuasion? Persuasion? Is that animal handling? Which one is this? Mm-hmm. Right? Is that a straight charisma check? Right. And so um, there are different things out there like that. Me, myself, for uh, distraction, I would say that really comes down to what the creature is yep. and why they are attacking. If they are attacking because you guys are trying to steal its eggs, it's a dragon, and you are holding its dragon eggs, <laughs> no. Just, you can go ahead and yell all you want. You're not even rolling for this because they don't make dice that big, yeah. right? It's just not going to happen. But if it is an owl bear that is kind of hungry, but maybe not, then that's an animal handling. It's a beast. Yeah. Yep. Right? So... Um, it all depends on what it's doing and what it wants. You could probably distract a fiend pretty easily by pointing out that they are breaking the rules somehow. Yeah. If it's a devil or by just being batshit crazy over in the corner if it's a demon. Like, whatever it is. If it's Yugoloth running at you, you just throw some gold coins on the ground and go, hey, 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 shiny. Mm-hmm. Right? I think when it comes down to these things, you see how I'm talking about different tactics? Yeah. yeah. Right? What it comes down to is... Um, I want the player to say exactly what they're doing. Not, I'm distracting. That's not good enough. What exactly are you doing to distract? And then you give them the, their check based off of what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. and because that's going to narrow it in a little bit more for you as a DM. And even still, if you don't have what it is, then um, look at what the monster's doing, what the monster's intention is. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I want to I enable players to be able to feel comfortable around the table. And it, I know for me, sometimes, and people who are now listening to this podcast for the past episodes know, I sometimes have trouble with words. Um, I want to be able to still s- convey my intention, but I might not know the proper words. Mm-hmm. So I might just say, I want to just roll a persuasion check on this guy. And depending on my role, the DM can back me up, Right. I sorry, go on. Yeah, uh, but no, I, I want to know what what's your favorite kind of weird. You got me thinking there trip. because there's been times that's come up when I agree with you on what you're saying. Where the you, as the DM, we just need to adjust to the people at the table. You're saying you want to play a bard or something with higher charisma, but you as Dan don't necessarily have the words to yeah. achieve the task. What about if you're uh, you're also a wizard and you're trying to figure out a puzzle and you are not as intelligent as your character? I am literally playing a character right now who is like. Uh, wicked smart. Like he is, he's just ridiculously intelligent. I'm not that guy. Right. So like, I constantly have to go to Adam and be like, "Hey, 
Adam. Yeah. I don't know the solution, but would Loki like it's these it's these Caleb from Critical Role, Keen Mind jerks who go, I have an eidetic memory. My character has an eidetic memory. I don't. So Caleb would remember this. It's like, uh, uh-huh. and you can see Matt Mercer just die a little inside each time yeah, Liam but, brings it up. But, but that's the game. It's in the game. Yeah. Keen Mind is a feat that you can take as a strategy and as a DM. Oh, yeah. If you don't like it, it's in the game. I know. I know it's in the game. But but it, how do you handle that? I, I, I handle it by this. I say, yes, you are correct. You have an eidetic memory because you know what? You gave up an ability score increase or another feat to yeah. get this. So therefore, fine, you have it. That's just it. Or, you know what? You have an eidetic memory. I'm going to add, just as a general rule, me and you, we will agree off at the side before we ever start the session. So this means you get a plus 15 to every time you try to remember something and it's a straight intelligence roll. Yeah. Chances are you've got a four or five modifier. This is what I was asking. This is what I was asking. This is where... Like, how do you you quantify that? Set clear rules (coughs) when they take the feat. Don't do it at the beginning of the session. Do it when they take the feet. When and they remain say, hey, consistent with it through the other it. sessions. It's, ju- it's all about consistency. It's the same thing with concentration, right? It's the ability that's not on the ability list, right? Where you have to make a concentration check when you are trying to maintain your concentration on a spell, right? What is that? What's that roll? It's a 10, right? You have to just beat a 10. Or maybe you beat... Uh, it's uh, it, or unless Isn't half the of the damage level? is yeah, over it, 10. It, it, so I'm sorry, I'm thinking cantrips, right? Yeah, so, yeah. But... but um, there's a certain number to that, but now I'm putting you on a on a pirate ship that's rocking back and forth as the Kraken is attacking. So this DC just got a whole lot worse. It is harder to maintain your concentration. You were getting just beaten with uh, with ball bearings from slingshots from 400 goblins, right? Are you able to maintain your concentration on this? I'm not going to auto fail you. I'm just going to raise that DC to be very, very, very right. difficult because you're not stuck. You're not sorry. You're not stood in an open field. Exactly. And you've been hit. There's other things going on. So there are environmental things. But whatever it is, be consistent. And me as a DM, I'm going to say, look, I'm not going to say roll a concentration check, sit back. You roll a 22 and I'm going to be like, no. <laughs> no, it doesn't work. Right? It's going to be a, look, here's a scenario. I'm adding this number to this and this number to this. Now what you need to do is hit this number to succeed. Yeah. I'm not going to telegraph every single AC out there or how many hit points are left on a monster. I'm not going to do that. But I will let you know how hard something is. And I will stop you if your character would know that this is difficult. But you haven't figured it out because I didn't explain it properly. Right? If you want to go running across this wall to get across this 10-foot gap. And you think, oh yeah, I've got an Elven Ranger. I can totally do that. And I'm sitting here as a DM going, (laughs) no you can't. But go ahead and roll anyway. That's just me being a jerk. Mm-hmm. you as the person in that room looking at this wall should be able to look at it and go, there's no way I can do that. No, that's off the table. What's the next idea? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I think I touched on the last episode. You are the eyes of the players. Yes. When we were talking about unwinnable situations, you will look at an unwinnable creature and go, we cannot beat that. We have to leave. So yeah. you can't withhold that information from the players. Same when it comes to checks. You're saying that player character would look at that wall and say, Yes, I'm a magical wood elf ranger, but I cannot do that. I know I cannot do that. That's right. Right. Okay. So, um, anything else we want to add before we wrap this up? I think we've covered it. Have we covered it? I, I think, think we so. Covered it. Okay. Well, uh, everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, it's Mimic Outro Music.
Thank you for listening to It's a Mimic. Check us out online at itsamimic.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have questions you would like answered by the guys on the show? Send them an email to itsamimic at gmail.com. Tune in every Tuesday for more. Thank you.